we were down by three touchdowns with seven minutes to go. So like, we're down by 21 points and you know, I was just walking up and down the sidelines. All right, how fast? That fast. We talk about how we can change momentum that fast and we snap up and snap my fingers. And so... Hey everybody, welcome to the Live Your Legacy podcast. The goal of our show is to help you live your own legacy by connecting you to people and concepts that have made a tremendous impact on the lives of others so that you can make that one degree shift in your life. Today's guest is a CEO of Mentally Strong Consulting and the author of Beyond Grit. She has a PhD in sport and performance psychology and is a leader in a field serving three years on the executive board of the Association for Applied Sports Psychology. She is also the professor and directs the Sport and Exercise Psychology graduate program at Minnesota State University, Mankato. For the past seven years, she has worked on mental training with the Minnesota State Maverick football and actually pushed them through six undefeated regular seasons and the number one in national rankings. In 2013, she founded and still directs the Center for Sport and Performance Psychology, which is one of the few centers in the country that helps graduate students gain certification hours. Introducing to you the woman who will help you master your own level of performance, Sindra Kemhoff. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Okay, let's jump in straight away to high performance. And you actually state this, um, one of the habits that high performance individuals have in your book, Beyond Grit, is the ability to master their thoughts. So what is needed for us to gain control of our thoughts? Well, first of all, I would describe it as one of the core principles of just reaching our potential in general is we have to know what to do with our self-talk. And what the research shows is we have between like 60 and 80,000 thoughts in one day. So our mind is constantly going, but we also have a negativity bias as humans. And so what that means is negative events get stored more quickly uh, to our long-term memory and they linger longer. So we really need to train it because if we don't, we continue to find the negative or what's wrong with the situation instead of what's right. And to really be at our best, we have to not believe everything we think <laughs> because we do have automatic negative thoughts and we really have to be intentional with our self-talk, with what we're saying to ourselves. So I have something I call the truth meter and it goes like this. Um, when you start questioning or may have an, a negative thought or a disempowering thought, first ask yourself, is this thought true? Um, and usually our thoughts are not always true, right? Our, our mind is here to keep us safe, not necessarily help us be a high performer. Um, that's why we're programmed for the negativity. And uh, so is this, thought, is this thought true? If it's not true, you know, ask yourself, is this thought serving me? So is it helping me? Is it helping me reach my highest potential? And then if it is not helping, helping you, you can choose a different thought. And our attention is like a spotlight. And what I mean like, um, what I mean by that is our attention is sort of like, you know, when you're kind of going into a cave or you have like a light on your head, maybe even when it's dark, your, your light is always shining on something. And so your attention is always shining on something. It's really just about, is it shining on the thing that's really going to help you and help you reach your potential? Now, I, you mentioned about like negative thoughts, right? I think a lot of our thought processes are usually hijacked or influenced by our external influencers, basically 
things that we consume on a daily basis. So how do we become aware of like these um, external influencers that are basically hijacking our thoughts? Yeah, I think the first step of really mastering your mind and being a high performer is awareness. And so me, what to me that means is just like being aware, being a silent observer to your thoughts and your emotions. One of the ways that you can practice this is what's called mindfulness, which mindfulness, um, I'm going to use a guy named John Kabat-Zinn. Maybe you've heard of his work, but he describes mindfulness as just um, being in the present moment as if your life depended on it uh, non-judgmentally. And what that really means is that we're not judging ourselves, but we're just noticing our thoughts and noticing our emotions. And when we do that, we can put some space between, you know, um, really how we, how we respond and then, you know, our thoughts and our emotions. So I think that's powerful to know that you can train your mind. Um, Darius, I was reading a study the other day in the Harvard Business Review. So the study in the, the Harvard Business Review found that 47% of the time, our mind is not in the present. And so our mind is, can be in the future or in the past instead of really fully focused on what we're doing. And to really be aware of what's happening, be a high performer, you do need to pay attention to what's happening in the moment. Okay, and so how do we go about being in the moment, since you have now mentioned about most of the time we aren't in the moment, we're probably thinking about the future, worrying about something else in the past or the future, right? So how do we start to be present in the moment? Well, I think it's something that we can train. And what it comes down to is how I would describe it is awareness first and a choice second. And so what I mean by that is just awareness of where your mind is. And then a choice to bring it back to the present. And I think the more and more you do that, the more you're able to be in the present moment. Um, kind of owning the moment is one of the practices I talk about in, in Beyond Grit, that high performers are really able to master the moment. Uh, they're able to be fully in the here and the now. Um, and you might be able to bring your attention back to the moment with like, let's say, your breath or a deep breath. Because your breath, you always have with you, right? Like, as long as you're alive, <laughs> you're, you can, you know, you have the breath. So just taking a deep breath, getting, getting it to in the present. But what happens is we miss these really important moments in our life, um, maybe with our family or even at our work. And we can't fully be at our best if we don't spend the majority of the time in the present moment. Okay. Now that you have, I love what you said about, you know, if we don't spend time with ourselves now, then we pretty much won't be able to spend time in the future as well. So another principle of high performance that you have seen in your book is the ability to master oneself. And it's something very interesting because a lot of people always talk about uh, mastering yourself, mastering yourself, but there's so many things to master. You can't just like put it up there and say like, hey, you got to master yourself. And I'll be like, okay, so how do I go about doing that? Right? So through your years of research that you have done, do break down to us like what are the components that we need to focus on in order to start mastering ourselves? Sure. So first of all, I think about leadership in two ways, right? Like we all lead somebody, but for us to lead other people, we first have to lead ourselves. And lead yourself really means to me that you know what you want um, and you know how to get there and you can break that goal down into small steps. 
Um, but mastering yourself really means that you have the mental tools and strategies to be able to kind of be in charge of your own life and being able to master those thoughts and emotions. Um, I'm going to describe that there's three components of knowing yourself and understanding yourself. First, it is awareness. So it's about just being a silent observer to your mind and your emotions and your thoughts. Um, second is, we can talk a bit more about this, is your purpose. And um, I think finding your purpose is a lifelong journey. I can talk a little bit about how I found mine and how I help other people find theirs, but purpose, like why are you here on this earth and, and what lights a fire in your belly? And then number three is um, this concept of emotional agility. And uh, it comes from a woman, uh, her name is Susan David and she's a psycholo psychologist. And um, she has this great book and a TED talk on emotional agility. And really what she says is when, um, when we're experiencing emotions, what's helpful is if we um, label that emotion and we don't necessarily believe that we are the emotion. We might even just say, I'm noticing that I'm feeling really frustrated right now. Um, kind of distance ourselves from that emotion, but ask ourselves what led to that emotion. So, you know, I think really right now with all the things that are happening in the world with COVID-19, right? There's can be a lot of frustration and anger. And so um, for me, I was consuming a lot of news when I first learned about this. And I was feeling a lot of fear and anxiety and gosh, just overwhelm. And I had to take a step back and just ask myself, what led to me feeling this way right now? Oh, I'm consuming all of this news. <laughs> okay, let's turn this off and let's get focused more on my purpose and, you know, what I'm really called here to do. So I'd say, you know, three, three components of knowing yourself is like awareness, purpose, and then being able to understand, regulate your emotions. And this concept of emotional agility is really powerful. And I actually really love the idea of emotional agility as well. Just to touch upon that point is like what you say, right? It's distancing yourself away from the emotion. It's disassociating yourself from the emotion. And because I think the main difficulty that most people have is that they don't really know how to describe their emotions. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm feeling like, mm, like mm, I'm not sure how to describe that. But I realize once we start describing our emotions, then we really understand like, hey, this is actually how I feel rather than just going like, this is rage or fury or whatever it is, right? So let's go back to the point on purpose. And that's a really tricky question because <laughs> some people search their whole life for their purpose, but, but they aren't able to find them as well. So uh, talk us, walk us through how you actually found your purpose and yeah. So I actually found my purpose through running a marathon. Um, so it's one of the things I like to do is I like to run and um, I was running the Boston Marathon in 2013. And if, you know, people, I know people are listening all over uh, the world to this interview. And so the Boston Marathon is one of the top five marathons in the world. You have to qualify for it. And it's also a really difficult course. So it's 26.2 miles, of course, but you run like 13 miles downhill. Okay. That sounds awesome because you're running downhill, but it's really hard because you, you know, your quads just take a beating all the way downhill. And then you have to run like five miles. So what's the top of mile 21 is called the heartbreak hill. 
And it's called that because literally it's like these five miles and uh, it breaks your heart because <laughs> you've been training really hard and then, you know, you find yourself walking up this hill. And so this particular year, I ran a personal best at the Boston Marathon, which is really hard to do because um, I live in Minnesota in the United States. And so it is cold here in the winter. <laughs> so we have to train in the snow or on the treadmill. And then um, the course is just really difficult. So I uh, was so happy on, on cloud nine and um, was down at the finish line um, and waiting for my friends to finish and um, heard some loud noises, made my way to my hotel room, which was right next to the finish line. And if you recall, what happened was two people like in, in um, backpacks put two bombs along the, by the finish line. And so we had heard there were multiple bombs along the course and, and maybe perhaps there was even a bomb in our hotel because that's where we were, right at the finish line. So it was really scary. Um, I think for me, once you know we found out there was not a bomb in our hotel, um, for me, I just remember you know sitting there really quietly in our hotel room and we were all gathered together and it wasn't really much to say. You know, we weren't talking about our race. In fact, that really didn't matter. And what mattered most was um, my family was number one. You know, would I, would, would I be able to see my kids again? And number two was like my passion and my purpose. And I remember asking myself, you know, what difference do I make? And why do I do what I do? And, um, and uh, you know, why am I here? And what difference do I make? So, you know, after that day in 2013, I, I'd have to say I was playing pretty small in my life, like just kind of going through the motions and um, not really getting out there with my message, not speaking. Uh, since then, I have uh, provided mental training or, you know, peak performance strategies to the Minnesota Vikings, which is an NFL team here in the U.S., so, you know, just was able to, I wouldn't have written my book <laughs> if it wasn't for me being at the, at the race. So, um, and what's really interesting is adults, when they're asked, like, what was the most important day in their life, they, they typically describe a day that they had to overcome significant adversity. So our, you know, we can find purpose in really difficult moments. It doesn't have to come from difficult moments, but purpose is, finding our purpose is a lifelong journey. But I, we also know from the research that when you are connected to your purpose, you live up to seven to 10 years longer, and it's connected to longevity and happiness and health. So I interviewed a guy, when I came back from the Boston Marathon, um, I, wrote, I read a book called The Power of Purpose by a guy named Richard Leiter. And because um, I was trying to find all about my purpose. I just had him on my podcast, which is called the High Performance Mindset Podcast. It's episode 333. Uh, so 333, I'd love for people to listen to it because it was an incredible conversation. There's a lot of different strategies we talked about, about like how to find your purpose and how to connect with it. I have a, a good, uh, amazing strategy in my book, Beyond Grit. Um, where I help you write your purpose statement and uh, help you really consider what your why is. But I do think it, it takes a lot of reflection and, um, and uh, really awareness. And, and just first this like decision that you want to seek it out and get more clarity on your purpose. 
Okay, I think now that we talk about purpose, and if people want to know more about purpose, they can head over to your podcast, uh, episode three three three, right? Easy to remember. Yeah. <laughs> and so, how do we intentionally? Now we know we got awareness, we have purpose, and then we got emotional agility, right? That's how you kind of break down in terms of the components of mastering ourselves. How do we intentionally design our lives? in order to deliver the highest performance that we can, right? Because we're still on the whole topic of mastering ourselves, but how do we design our life around it? Yeah, great question. So first, I would ask you to think about what do you really, 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 really want? Um, and to be honest, many people really haven't, they don't have clarity on what they want. They haven't really spent time thinking about what they want. And so, um, but I think that's the first step in like intentionally designing your life is what, what really do you want? What are some goals, long-term goals that you're going after? Um, so this idea of grit means uh, having passion and purpose for our very long-term goals. And uh, I use that definition by a woman named Angela Duckworth and all of her research shows that, you know, gritty people are higher in sales. They're more committed as an entrepreneur. They perform more consistently. Um, and grit is powered by our passion and our purpose and hope and optimism and confidence. So we can actually become grittier. Um, it's something that we can develop. But I think the first step is what are some goals you're going after and then um, breaking those down into, okay, what do I have to do today or this month to really get to those goals? And those goals can be really frustrating because many of our goals are outside of our control. And so we have to also know when to focus on specific goals and when not to. So like as an athlete or a team I'm working with, you know, they might say, we wanna win the national championship. Well, guess what? You shouldn't be focused on the national championship right before game two of the season. You might you think about those long-term outcome goals, like to get you motivated and get you excited, but we also have to be able to shift our attention to when is it helpful to think about more of these outcome goals versus the small process goals, the things that we can control. So first step in designing your life is asking yourself, what do you want? And um, I think our desires change throughout our life and that's okay. Um, I have my goals right kind of right behind me. I have like my 20 year, 10 year, five year, one year goals um, written out. And there's a lot of power in writing your goals out because then you stay, you commit to them um, and you can hold yourself accountable. So um, I have an awesome exercise in my book that helps you really think about what is it that you want? Like, 20, 10, five years from now, and then what do you want one year from now? Okay, and I really like when you say, like this is something that I think is not enough people talk about this, is when you said the line of, there is a right time to go for outcome goals, and then there, there's a right time for process goals as well. And then sometimes we are actually setting the wrong goal, even though we think we are really ambitious. It's not at the right time. I really like the word that you say, it's not at the right time. So walk us through like, when are the right time for us to set our outcome goals? When are the right time to set our process goals? Because most of us really just set goals and we're like, okay, we're going to achieve it and we must achieve it. And then we end up not achieving it, right? Because sometimes it's way beyond what we can uh, actually cope. But we still decide to go ahead with it because they said that to set a goal is to be ambitious, is to be driven towards it. Right. 
Yeah, so I don't think we're really taught how to focus on goals and what type of goals you can have. So I'll just kind of simply describe there are goals outside of our control that we, we can set, right? That would be more of a considered like an outcome goal. Like I have a grit board right over there in my office and um, I have four one-year goals. Some of those goals are outside of my control, <laughs> but some of them are in my control. Um, and so I think I need, first of all, I need to every single day look at where I'm going. But sometimes when I look at that outcome goal, so I just kind of check in with it every morning. Okay, where am I going? And kind of long term, I also have some whys underneath each of these goals. Um, and it's, you know, I think our why, our purpose needs to be connected to other people, not just ourselves. So I do have some whys that I, if I need to look at that to motivate me, I can. But then, you know, besides checking in with it, it, it can actually cause some anxiety for me. When I look at this and I think, oh gosh, it's June and now COVID hit and I'm trying to pivot and adjust my goals because, you know, things are changing and goals are meant to be adjusted. So I used to think when I set a goal, I should never change it. But there's, there are things that, are, that happen, right? So we can also change our goals even though we write them down. So sometimes our outcome goals can feel like a lot of pressure or anxiety provoking. So just pay attention to what gives you energy. If you're an athlete, you don't wanna focus on an outcome goal, I'd say at least 24 hours before a competition because um, you don't wanna be thinking about winning, right? Because then that takes your attention away from the process or the small things you have to do. So instead you just wanna focus on, okay, what are the things I need to execute in this game? Or for me, it might be, or for those people who are like business leaders or entrepreneurs, right? It's like, what do I need to do today that I can control that leads me to that outcome goal? Oh, that's actually very interesting. I always thought that like, you know, for athletes, what they should be going for is like winning the game, gotta win, gotta win, gotta win. But when you actually break it down like that, then oh, it actually makes sense because winning is for them, athletes winning for them is more of an outcome goal. And yes. focusing on the process, whatever tactics or strategies that they have to implement during the game is more of the process goal. Which, yeah. Yeah, I just realized like, wow, okay, this is something really new that, that, that I thought about it. Like, oh yeah, they are actually outcome and process goals as well. So yeah, I wish I would have known this as an athlete. I didn't, you know, so um, there were multiple times I did not perform my best, but I can just watch athletes and you can start telling when the, all of a sudden they're focusing on the outcome because they, they get glassy eyes. You know, they, they, they're like deer in the headlights and you can, you can tell that they start tensing up. So um, one of the teams I work with, one of the football teams I work with, I'm on the sidelines of their games and uh, I'm telling them I go up and down, you know, the sidelines when I notice them focusing on the outcome. And it's like, okay, let's focus on one play at a time, right? The things that we can control right here, right now. And that connects me back to what I was saying earlier that you know, 47% uh, of our time, we're not even in the present moment. So we have to train ourselves to really stay focused on the present and more on this process, the small things we can control day to day. Now let's talk more about, since we're on the topic where you talk about, uh, you're working on your mental training along with uh, high performance with the Minnesota State Maverick football, right? Uh, yes. Do walk us through some of your 
<laughs> some of your uh, strategies that really work well in terms of performance for your athletes? Like maybe your top two or three. Top two or three. Okay. So, um, okay. Top two or three. And maybe like the top, okay. Maybe not two, top two to three. Maybe it's fine if you just say one of it and yeah. more of mastering their ability to control, right? Since we're on this whole part of controlling. So what I really love to work with football teams on is energy. And we talk about this idea of like psychological momentum. And what it means is our ability to shift the momentum of the game really by our mindset or our psychology. And uh, the first, so th this team I worked with, I started working with about nine years ago. And I started reading all about psychological momentum my first season. And and um, we talked about it. We have a workshop regularly, like a mental training workshop. And we talked about how we can shift the momentum of the game by shifting um, uh, the wave, okay? So it stands for this. It means like waking up to our energy, just noticing our energy. That's the W. The A stands for changing our actions. So we might like high five somebody or pat each other on the back, right? To kind of give each other some momentum or energy. V stands for our voice. And just by, you know, um, cheering for a guy or um, say, hey, I see you, number 23. That's what they might say, right? Uh, by, by waking up our voice, that also creates like um, a momentum change. And, you know, momentum change in sports is sort of like, when you kind of feel like the other team has the momentum, right? It's, you can't really put your finger on, but it's just more of a feeling. And it's intimidating when another team has momentum. So we can, we can, we can shift it. And then the E stands really for your, your emotions and dialing those up, paying attention to how you're feeling. And if you're feeling nervous or anxious, that's okay, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to act nervous or anxious, like you can act independent of how you feel. So sometimes athletes will say, well, I don't feel very confident. Well, just because you don't feel very confident doesn't mean that you don't, you, don't, you know, you, you, that impact what you do. You can still act confidently. And sometimes we have to, we have to really act independent of how we feel. And sometimes a little nervousness is okay because that helps us kind of shows us that we're ready. So W-A-V-E, wake up your actions, your voice, and then your emotions. And that's so fun because I remember, you know, the first season I implemented this with them, you know, it was just like, I couldn't believe it because we started like changing the momentum and we were down by three touchdowns with seven minutes to go. So like we're down by 21 points and, you know, I was just walking up and down the sidelines. All right, let's, 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 you know. How fast? That fast. We talk about how we can change momentum that fast. Then we snap up and snap my fingers. And so, and then we just started doing it and we won the game. <laughs> so it was really fun to kind of see it happen. So that's a, at least one strategy I would describe. Okay, great. Thanks for actually uncovering some of your secret stuff. <laughs> some of your secret stuff that you work on football teams and hopefully none of them copy yours. Or more like most of, I think if you watch sports, you can really, um, I think, that word they use, momentum, momentum's, um, what's it called? Momentum psychology, is it? Psychological momentum. Yeah, okay. So, psycho psychological momentum. No, I think that's something, now that you have stated it out, because it's a term that I didn't really hear before, and when you state out psychological momentum, then I really think about it. Yeah, I think that's how, like, teams get into the flow, right? They talk about the flow state. But I think that's yeah. how they go in the flow, because 
they start building up, building up, building up. And it's not suddenly like a burst where it's suddenly like a domination. It's like a build up. And then, but a lot of times people don't really see that psychological build up. Right. So I think it's really interesting that you share with us this. So what do you specifically do? You talk about increasing the performance of the football teams. But what do you specifically do to increase your own level of performance? Oh, great question. So one of the strategies I'd love to describe is what I call my grit morning routine. Um, and it's really about priming yourself to have great emotions and thoughts for your day. And people can download it by going to beyondgrit.com slash morning. So beyondgrit.com slash morning. I'll put the links below. Okay, perfect. And this is um, what it is. And sometimes I do it while I'm exercising and then I'm even more on fire because <laughs> uh, I've got, you know, endorphins running through my body and, uh, and then I've primed my emotions and my thoughts to really help me throughout my day. And we, you know, I think the reason you really want to do this is what we were talking about earlier about like this negativity bias and how we're programmed to see what's wrong, not what's right. So the four components are G-R-I-T, okay? And I'm going to encourage people to at least do each of these four for at least one minute each. Right? I want to make it really practical and simple for people to use. And it's more of like um, uh, less about like um, a doing routine, but more about like a psychological routine, right? So, you, so if people like meditate in the morning or exercise, you can do this in addition to that. You can also do it as you say, as you wake up in your bed and you're laying in your bed, you can do these four steps. So for at least one minute, minute each, G stands for gratitude. And that means like for one minute, think about all the things that you're grateful for. The great things, the, the, the tough things, the big things, the small things. R stands for remember your why or your purpose. And so for at least one minute, remind yourself why you do what you do. What's your purpose? What's, what, what do you think your calling is? And imagine the people that you impact and the people that you serve and uh, just by living that purpose. Um, I stands for intention. And intention is about more about who you want to be than what you want to do that day. So, and I use an I will statement and I set at least three intentions for my day. So it might be like, I will boldly lead my team today or I will um, be on, on task with my time. Or um, I was going to my son's basketball game a few, few months ago and I was like, you know, this morning, that morning, I was like, I will be fully present at my son's game today. Okay, so put the phone away, was fully there and he noticed. So um, intention, I will. And then T stands for talk to yourself. And this is um, what we know about the research is that if you, um, if you have statements that are pre-planned, right? This is for an athlete especially. But if you have thoughts that you want to think to yourself, like pre-planning your thoughts before your performance actually helps you give you more confidence and gives you a strategy to be able to think more powerfully. So we want to do the same in our morning. I have 30 statements I say to myself every single morning and uh, to help me really step into who I want to become more of. And because what I think about myself, I become, right? Just like what you think about yourself, you become. So some of my talk to yourself statements are like, I am bold, I'm courageous. I know my value and the value of my work to this world. 
I learn like I change a million people's lives, right? So, um, and then I repeat my purpose. So I think like just planning out your thoughts and priming yourself with that in the morning can be incredibly powerful because what you put in here is who you end up becoming. And this right here shapes your identity and how you show up in your day. I think that's an interesting point to take note, especially the last part, because um, I want you to take note for um, people who are listening to this. I think the last, the, the worst thing to do in the morning is to wake up and then check your phone because instantly yeah. you're primed to whatever that's happening in the past because of the notifications that's coming in. You start living in the past when you start your day. So I really love how you share gratitude, remember your why, intention, and then end off with talk to yourself, which is something very interesting because I didn't really thought of like talking to myself. I do gratitude. I do, I know I start with attention every day and I know what's my why. But when I write it down, I think that's something very effective as well. And then you mentioned about this whole thing of talking to yourself. So what exactly, I would really love to know, what exactly do you talk to yourself? Since you have already done gratitude, know your why and um, um, knowing your intention as well. So what do you actually talk to yourself in the morning? Yeah. So, um, and if people are thinking about what should I say to myself, I think that really the question to ask yourself is what do you need to believe about yourself to achieve your goals or your vision? So what do you need to believe about yourself to, to uh, accomplish your goals and your vision? And then write those out. You could write them um, so on this PDF that you can download again at beyondgrit.com slash morning, I give you some prompts. And one prompt might be like every day in every way I'm getting stronger and stronger, right? So every day in every way might be a prompt or I will, or I can, or I am is a prompt. Um, and I am is so powerful because that's who you are and that's your identity. And sometimes we forget who we are right? It's like our negativity and our bias and, and uh, these lies we tell ourselves, we forget who we are and we forget the accomplishments and, uh, you know, what we've done in the past to really help us build our confidence. So um, those are a few statements that you could start with. So think about what do you need to believe about yourself to achieve your goals and your vision? And since I've been doing this in January, I feel um, like my first statement on my list is I, I know my value and the value of my work to this world. And I have to say like in January, that was something I was really working on. Just kind of like seeing my value. I know my value now, you know? So, so it's sort of like by telling myself that every day, six months later, it starts becoming who I am and just part of my, my, um, really subconscious so that it's like, this is, this is kind of just the, the, my, my, you know, it's like not my conscious. It's like, um, how do I explain it? Like, uh, the default that my brain is going to. Unconsciously, so, right? Yeah, what'd you say? Unconsciously. Basically yes, it's now your awesome. unconscious mind just doing it like a daily routine and it becomes naturally yourself. Yes. It's becomes, it becomes who I am. And I think that's the power of being really intentional with what you say in the morning and planning it out, thinking about what do you need to believe about yourself to achieve your goals. And your goals should be scary. And what I mean by that is they should be just a little out of your reach. When you look at them, you should say, I don't know, maybe, maybe I can't do it. And that seems like, well, I got to work really hard to get there. Good. You know, I love this quote by Donna Williams. And she says like, 
um, your dream should just be a little bit scary because that's how you grow and who you become, how you be, you know, what, what you become into. So my goals are pretty aggressive. Um, and so I know that, you know, I really have to believe these certain things about myself, like that I am bold and I'm courageous and I'm beautiful <laughs> and I am enough. Those are some things that I might say to myself to help me step into who I need to become. Okay, really lovely. I really love all these strategies that you're going really in-depth in throughout this whole podcast. So before I la- ask my last question, where can we connect and learn more from you? Sure, you can head over to my website and it's Dr. Sindra, so D-R-C-I-N-D-R-A.com. And you can find, um, I have a Beyond Grid Academy, so you can learn more about um, if you want to watch some videos and have something to go through. You can you get a book and a workbook with the Academy, so you get some guidance on like how to master your mindset more and how to set goals and uh, practice everything that we've talked about today. And if you want to learn more about the podcast, um, the High Performance Mindset Podcast, you can get all the episodes on my website at Dr. Sindra, or you can just subscribe wherever you're watching or listening to this, right? Um, and uh, I have like 350 episodes at this point, started it in 2015, uh, over a million downloads. So, uh, um, you know, and, and really get to, just like you, interview some amazing people about mindset. And it's, it's really all about mindset. Really great. Okay, so what does living a legacy means to you? That is a great question <laughs> and a heavy question. Um, living a legacy means to me is really living my purpose. And the purpose of my life is to be authentic and passionate and live in the service of others and really help people play big, right? Play big means, you know, play big in sports, but also play big in their life and in their business. And that's what living, you know, living a legacy means to me is knowing what my purpose is and every day working to live it and positively impact as many people that I possibly can with the gifts that I have. And I think about purpose is like all of us has a unique gift and unique experiences and a unique calling and a unique reason why we're on this planet. And when we connect with that, that's what it means to live a legacy is to really live on purpose with purpose. Okay, thanks for being on the show, Sindra. And this lady has really dropped some bombs and <laughs> dropped some knowledge bombs in here because like there are a few concepts that I really learned about things like psychological momentum and like your whole wave thing that you did as well and your whole grit and talking to yourself. There are so many new concepts that I would even want to apply in my life, especially start with talking to myself more often, right? Yes. So thanks for really being on the podcast, Sindra. It's a privilege yeah. to have you on your podcast to share with us your in-depth knowledge in high performance. And for those who are listening, if you enjoyed the podcast, do make sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review on what your biggest takeaways are because I'm always looking for them. So if you really want to learn more about her, go to the website down below. The links are there and go and grab her morning on what you should be doing at beyondgreet.com slash morning. So until the next episode, start living your legacy, my friends. <laughs>